Hello, you're listening to Evolve Music. I'm Charlotte Gould, and on today's episode, I speak to vocalist Marika Rauscher. We talk about the journey into the music industry, the trials and tribulations that it takes, and a couple of voice tips for you to improve your singing techniques. So stick around and enjoy. Put you into the industry. Oh, well, I always wanted to sing, so that was something that's just been ongoing since childhood. Um, and then it's just been a long journey getting there. <laughs> One of those that if you'd told me back then how long it was going to take, you just probably would never have started in the first place. Uh, but it's just circumstantial, sort of like everyone's journey is different and it just takes you as long as it takes for whatever reasons to find where you really belong and what your niche is and what you want to do. So... I've like most people went to college first and did contemporary music and theatre and was studying there and really just wasn't even talented enough back then in all honesty to get into the Royal Colleges, you know, the big colleges in London, like the Royal College of Music, the Guildhall, Trinity. And although I was always interested in music, my teachers, the, the school I was at was mainly science focused and nobody really sort of thought as music is a career choice, uh, let alone a university choice. So I wasn't even informed that I would need to have grade five theory to even get into a music college, let alone grade eight and a first study instrument. So I didn't have any of that because I just wasn't a kid that liked exams. So I just went, oh, I'll just play for fun. You know, if I don't have to do them, I won't. Um, so I kind of got away with it and then started applying to universities and no one even took me seriously or would even take my application because I didn't have the criteria. So that was my first hurdle and first lesson learned that you've got to start banging down some doors. Like if it's not open, you've got to crawl in through the window. <laughs> brilliant. So I ended up going to Dartington College of Arts, which is a contemporary music college, sadly no longer in existence. Um, but it was wonderful because I learned African drumming, Indonesian gamelan and sort of like Indian rugs. I mean, it was all about world music. So coming from a very classical based upbringing from music, it was like a playground for, for me. You know, it was just sort of like, oh, my God, there's all these different instruments and styles of music that I had no idea really existed um and it was just phenomenal and then it was after uni that i came back and went i really want to go back to classical i loved opera i would have loved to have done musical theater but at the time again i found that my timing wasn't quite right in that i would have needed to do dance lessons and sort of all these different skill sets to get into musical theater that i just didn't have so i was better suited to the classical world in the skill set i already was honing um came back and sort of doing all the contemporary stuff kind of ruined my voice it didn't really set me up for the classical world because i my singing teacher at uni wasn't that heavily based on technique so i was stretching my voice too early um and didn't really have the guidance and support needed so i came back and retrained which then took another two years to really get my voice anywhere near where it needed to be and then you start working on the repertoire you need to start working on. So it's almost like a good five year gap before I even found myself 
in a position where I was able to audition or confident enough in my abilities to go out and perform uh, and to be seen and heard. So I was working, you know, just paying off student debts and things like that. I was ended up working in offices and operations management for art galleries and human resources for city banks and ended up being in the corporate world for quite a while. Um, just temping and contracting and then just picking up auditions on the go. So went back to the colleges and I said, oh, here I am, you know, writing off to agents. And they're like, well, you don't have any credentials on your CV. So go back and do a postgraduate degree in music um, at one of the big colleges. And then you've got at least a foot in the door. So, but when I spoke to the students and everyone doing postgrads, they were like, do you know what? I'm just in debt. I'm no better off vocally necessarily. And yes, agents come to your final performance, but that's no guarantee that they're going to take you on. So they were like, mm, would I recommend it? No, not really. <laughs> so, and because I was then sort of already somewhat older and I was just sort of like, well, I'm not going to waste another three years then get myself financially in debt for something that has no outcome and it's going to just put something on my name on my CV. I just thought it was absolutely outrageous and so old school that this process was still in place. I was just like, surely you should be going on talent. You know, I was already working for semi-professional opera companies and singing leading roles it was almost like a step back I was like why am I going backwards when I'm already getting work and so I just kept kept going kept auditioning for different things and then word of mouth kept getting different jobs so I built it from there but yes it was a the long way round for sure <laughs> a long journey like a lot of hard work because I feel like there's a lot of stigma with singers like it's just like oh you just need to be able to sing but it's so much more than that like you need that experience you need that credibility like it would be amazing if people could just walk into a room sing and then they all, then everyone's just stunned they're like yep yep we're gonna hire you but it, yeah. it's, it's all they just look at like this black and white piece of paper which is not synonymous with art like art is very visual it's very you know you need to see and listen to it like I just feel like you have to actually experience it and like, yeah, it's a shame that they just kind of kept saying, no, you need to prove yourself. It's like, haven't I done enough? Like, I've got all of this. I've done all of this. Absolutely. Give me a chance. And it was just, it was just tick box exercise, really. And I didn't fit in their box. So I was kind of, you know, that's really disheartening at times. You sort of like going, well, what's the point? Why am I pursuing this if I don't fit in? I'm, they're never going to take me seriously. Um, but... You know, I just was like, when you end up working in different places, you get your credentials, you get a CV together. And I was working full time to do that because, you know, I was coming in through the back door. So <laughs> I was just like, number one, I wanted to make sure if nothing happened with my singing career, I have a backup career that I can go into. I've got a skill set other than my singing that can earn me money. So that was all in the back of my mind as well. But, you know, I still had to pay for the singing coaching, language coaching. I was doing different courses, um, you know, because when you're not, when that network isn't already on the table, sort of for going to the colleges, you already have a certain level of networking there. Um, then you've got to sort of like come in through the side door, as I said, you know, so I can doing all these different courses, networking, open mic nights. You just try and put yourself in front of everything and anything that's going 
um, you know, and there's nobody to ask. There was no mentor. There was nobody to say, look, what do you do? How do you get there? <laughs> so it's just like throwing yourself at absolutely every opportunity. It's like throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. You go, okay, that worked. So let's do that again. You know, well, that wasn't so helpful. Um, let's not bother. And then from there, people just heard you singing and did sort of like a, a few wedding fairs. I started off as a wedding singer, um, mainly because friends and family were asking me to sing at their weddings. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just sort of like, oh, hold on a minute. This is a thing. <laughs> and so that's kind of where it all sprung from. Um, and then just, yeah, just networking because I was a, a city person. So I wasn't even around my my own tribe of, of people that I needed to be networking with and took holiday leave to do my performances. You know, I was rehearsing evenings, touring on weekends, holidays for rehearsals and, and touring gigs. It's sort of like, it's just bonkers when you think back. You're sort of like going, how did I do it all? But you do, if you want something to happen, you make it happen. And uh, as, as I went, you start building the profile and then you start meeting people. And then the work started really coming in or, but then I had to sort of let some things go because I was in a day job and I'd lose my job if I took that engagement on because I didn't have any holidays left or, and I'm, I'm a crap liar. I, I just don't <laughs> have the ability, you know, when they're sort of, so everyone's going, just phone in sick. And I was just sort of like, oh my God, they're, they're going to ask me something. It's like, so how was your sick day or how was that? And I'll, I'm going to forget what I told them. So I was just like, oh, it was too stressful. So eventually you sort of have to make that leap of faith and say, right, do you know what? I've now built up my CV enough that I've got a few clients and I have, I was teaching singing already. I had a bit of a trickle of an income. I could always go back to temping a couple of days here and there if I needed to, to have a buffer zone. Um, and you just sort of thought to myself, you have to give it 100% to give get 100% back because I was then had one foot in each world and that was becoming too psychotic. I was like, you can't keep living two lives. There's not enough hours in the day. I haven't got enough energy and I'm only doing half of what I'm meant to be doing um, and I'm not giving it in my all, you know, I'm sort of like learning my lines in my lunch hours, booking out meeting rooms and on the train to work and then making myself believe with your own internal dialogue that you think, oh my God, I'm not capable of this, this career. I'm, I'm not, I can't learn lines fast enough. I'm not absorbing it. And, and I was just like, well, hold on a minute. You're doing an eight hour day. Like most people have that eight hour day to learn the material you've had three hours mm -hmm. and that's what in transit somewhere you know so, and in a different language that you don't speak and have never learned oh, you know so, <laughs> so but at the time when you just want everything to happen now <laughs> you don't think of the rationals of the setup that you've put yourself in you just don't think you're good enough um and so those insecurities and i just went right that's it i'm not i haven't come this far to not give it a go so then i was like right okay day job see you later full-time singing career here i come um but that kind of was always my goal so i made sure that I sort of i gave myself a two-year limit in the in the corporate world once i'd made that decision 
and I said, right, do you know what? I'm going to have at least a year's worth of money in my bank account for rent um, to be able to sustain it. So as a buffer zone, because I said, if it all goes horribly wrong, I can always go back to office work. But if I don't have enough money in the bank account, it's going to be short lived. It's going to be two months and then I'm going to repeat the cycle. I need to really give myself at least six months solidly to this to make it happen. And then you take any old gig because you need the money. You know, you, I was turning away work. So I was like, oh, I don't really need the 60 pounds. You know, I've got a day job. I've got a monthly income. Um, it's too much stress. And now you're sort of like going, you do everything and anything. And that's when your network really builds because people start to know you. You're out there giving it everything. So, and you make it happen. <laughs> if you need the money, you go out and tell them about it. Yeah, I mean, if you're passionate enough and like, I think you have to take those risks and but yeah, they have to be calculated risks. So I'm glad that you took a year and you're like, right, I'm going to save up. So, you know, your, your rent was okay. And then you're like, I'm now going to invest into my dreams and you went for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the fact that you were able to juggle it, but then you kind of admitted to yourself, okay, I'm not, you know, because I feel like in today's society, we put a lot of emphasis on being able to have it all, but it's so, it's so difficult, like to balance um, a job, your dreams and paying bills and things. It really um, is. And I think that's where a lot of people have failed or, that's a lot of my students are finding that as a real hurdle. And it's like, you have to be realistic unless you've got the privilege of the bank of mum and dad to support you. It's tough. I said, you have to really want it. It's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, I think a lot of my friends who are only just breaking into the opera world now, and, you know, we studied together and we were doing performance together 20 years ago, but now they're only starting to get the lead roles. They've had chorus jobs, they've done extraordinarily well, but if they wanted to have that solo career, that's only just starting to happen 20 years later. And they're coming to me going, oh my God, how come you're so versatile? And where do you, you know, I'm finding it so hard financially because when you're touring, you still have to pay for your mortgage back home, wherever you live or your rent, or then you still need to pay for accommodation wherever you are at, because, you know, you might get subsidized places that they put you up in the digs, but a lot of the time you have to pay for that. Auditions, you've got to take time off work, you've got to pay for the flight, you've got to pay for accommodation. So a lot of the time you're gonna to have to pay for an accompanist over them in that country. So before you've even got your foot in the door for the addition, you might have spent 300, 400 pounds. Really tough. And nobody tells you that. It's like, you're not, you know, no one's going to refund you that money. And then if you're in rehearsals, a lot of the time you get paid for the performances, you don't get paid for the rehearsal time. So there could be two months potentially that you're really not getting paid for. They're sort of going, I can't financially sustain this, this, you know? <laughs> and it's sort of like, right, well, what, what do you do? You need to have a side hustle. You know, I teach, I coach, I do choirs. And um, because of that, I, I left the staged productions behind. I still do the, the occasional ones to dip my toe in and keep myself fresh because I love it. You know, so I think that's just partly to do with my ego though. And, uh, and then I realized, I went, oh my God, why do I keep doing this to myself? It's so, I find it so stressful and that's not really where my passion lies. Um, but I've got to remind myself of that because part of my ego still thinks that's what I should be doing. That's what I trained to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, 
but I'm doing what I love doing and I'm really happy doing that. Why can't I just be satisfied? So occasionally, you know, we battle with our own demons, don't we? Everyone has them. <laughs> it doesn't matter how successful you think you get, you've always got your demons that you need to put to bed. I feel like you've got to battle with the demons to dance with the angels almost. Like you've got to get through them. And I mean, sometimes a demon may come across when you're waltzing, but I think as long as you have that drive and that passion, and as you said, you are realistic with your dreams, you can make them work. Or you can either adapt your dreams and you may find yourself like like similar to you like you train to do this thing but like now you're just doing something very similar but you love it more than what you train to do yeah I think it's also we all have an internal dialogue it's also the wording I always used was very wrong and then I was reinforcing a false narrative to myself because um my idea of success when people said what do you want to do? What would be your success story? I always said just to be able to pay my own bills off my singing, that that is my career. That's what I do. It was, I was never chasing fame. I never wanted the big stage productions and touring all over the world and never having that security of a home or feeling settled or not knowing where the next job's coming from. I freaking hate all of that side of the career. I mean, it's part and parcel, but I was just sort of like, do you know what? It really doesn't match my my personality and what I need. So I was just like, oh my God, that's even more psychotic. I've gone into a career that totally goes against everything I actually, makes me happy. <laughs> so I'm constantly in, in conflict with myself. Um, but then I just was like, do you know what? It doesn't have to be any stage I'm on. It doesn't matter if it's in someone's living room to two people or I've sung in stadiums to over 2 million people, it gives me the same buzz. Like, I love performing. So it's not, you know, the, the fame and the glory of it. It is something that I do. And if it's paying my mortgage and I can pay my bills and I've sustained myself for two years through COVID and lockdown, that is my success story. And I'm going to own it and I'm going to embrace it. And I don't care if it makes me sound egoistical. <laughs> no, I think you should take pride in it. Um, you know, you're, you're self-made, you worked really hard for it. So why wouldn't you be? I'd be more concerned if you were like, mm, yeah, you know, like I tried. And, uh, and like, no, like be proud of yourself that like you you have made so much, you've done so much. And it's, so, celebrating, yeah. it's celebrating all successes. It's exactly. tough enough as it is. And if you've had a breakthrough and you're doing something you love doing and you're able to financially sustain yourself on that, Oh my God, haven't I got the best job in the world? Amazing. I mean, how, how many people get to say that for themselves, that they're actually living their dream? You know, okay, everything has peaks and troughs. No one's living, you know, their, their absolutely best lives all the time. But it's, yeah, it's being realistic about it, really. Sort of down, deep down, you just have to make friends with yourself mm. and not always make friends with the career. Okay, well, so yeah, yeah. you've got to, like, listen to yourself and put yourself out there and just I think there's this this danger to overwork yourself and like once you've achieved something that you really had your heart set on you're then like oh this is no longer enough and you've got to keep going and going and going and that's yeah. just going to burn you out I feel like you need to like you know I feel like once you're self-made and like you can live off your dream that's amazing that that is the it's, goal don't get me wrong there's absolutely nothing wrong with ambition and wanting more um, but it is, you know, it's like climbing the steps of a ladder. 
you just take it step at a time keep going because you're right you can have burnout you know and I've still got dreams that I want to achieve and things that I want to get done and some things have got been shelved and some things are you know because other things come in in the way you know another offer comes in so I mean I had plans to be making a couple of albums and doing recordings and then there was the offer to perform at the Royal Opera House oh, wow. where, I, where I really thought there were, you know, my stage career, I was like, that was behind me. I wasn't chasing that dream anymore, um, but it was there. So I was just sort of like, uh, hello. <laughs> so at that point, everything else just got ditched. And it was just a once in a lifetime opportunity that you've got to run as fast as you can towards it. And sort of going, if I hit a brick wall, I hit a brick wall. At least I can say I tried, you know. How? I think, yeah. Like, what Sorry. It was a Yes, no, sorry, after <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, um, what was it like performing there? What was how did you prepare for that? What was it like? It was amazing. I mean, everything you'd imagine and more. Uh it was just it was my childhood dream oh. to actually I mean, I was overwhelmed. Um the rehearsal period was uh really well done and you suddenly realize how well prepared you are in a in a big international global house like that they are going to make sure that you are ready to go on that stage there is no way that they're going to drop you in it because it wouldn't look good for them so that production is polished you are polished and um it's hard work, but it's fun. And it was insane to see the, the actual goings on behind the scenes. So you have the vocal coach, you have your dance coach, you have a stage coach, you have a choir master, you have language coaches. Then there's even costume department. Well, that blew my mind. It's not just a costume department. I had, there was somebody for just hats. There was somebody for belts. There was somebody for shoes. There was, I mean, every part of your body had somebody else because they were seamstresses right so they're making these costumes so they were like oh that's accessories oh no that's underwear or that's socks or that's shoes department so everything has its own department i mean it's phenomenal it's massive and when people go oh why is it so expensive you're like you have no idea of the cogs behind the scenes that make this happen that it's not you know it's amazing for a reason but there's a lot of people that put get put into that um and then i did come away from that uh slightly feeling like i gave up on that side of the career a bit too soon because mm. you're just like wow that's what it's meant to be like like that's a full-time career where that's your day job it, it's not that you work in an office all day long and you've had three weeks to learn a three-hour opera with two rehearsals and <laughs> find your own costume, market it yourself, sell your own ticket, you know, mm. and everything else that goes with it. So I was just like, oh my God, right, okay. I kind of get it now. Um, but yeah, no, it was wonderful. Um, but I did I did get stage fright on the dress rehearsal as oh, soon as that okay. curtain opened. And I haven't had that kind of stage fright where you blank out since I was in school. Oh, I think wow. it's that overwhelmed that it was my dream come true that I just was like, I can't remember anything. <laughs> Oh. oh my god nothing it's gone and it does it comes back to you and it's fine and that's why they have a, a dress rehearsal because <laughs> it's sort of like if you've never done that kind of stage before then it is 
insanely overwhelming but in a good way <laughs> and I I feel like it's that that saying isn't it that it's like if you really want something it makes it so much harder to get it because like I feel like it makes you doubt yourself and then it actually that kind of leads nicely into one of the questions that one of my um li- listeners has asked like so Kelly Gelders asked like what's the best way to warm up for a performance that you're really nervous for oh do you know what I always start with visualization um <laughs> Because we know about the homework, right? You've got to learn the words, you've got to learn the music, you've got to learn if you're acting, your parts, which part of the stage you're meant to be on, your spotlights, your expressions, the story, all of that we get. What for me, I find is like the biggest warm up is you have to visualize yourself doing it and being successful at it. I mean, even athletes will visualize them winning the race and getting that finish line and we are athletes. So we're in a sport that is ridiculously competitive. Um, So even with auditions, um, I used to get so scared, you know, and you hear everyone else warming up and you hear their auditions and they're better than you and you're all singing the same bloody songs. That's what they asked for. And, you know, and you've kind of got to have that ego on you then sort of going, well, they haven't heard me sing it yet, girlfriend. Um, But actually what it is, is I've just, have to put myself in a different mindset because it's going into that audition as if it's opening night, as if I've already got that role. I know that part. I've got the job. Now all I've got to do is go in there and sing it, sing the arse off it and enjoy it. And once you're in that mindset, whatever else happens, if you get the job or not, you did your bloody best and you had a good experience from it, or, you know, (laughs) you'll learn from it. You're not going to self-flagellate yourself for every wrong note or you know being human it's like because that can happen on opening night as much as it can in the audition room but to get there you've got to sort of almost visualize yourself having the success story so visualization for me is the strongest bit and that calms me down that also gets my breath control calm it gets my mindset calm and then if anyone you know the backstabbing comments that you can hear in the whispers in the corridors or whatever, like like Teflon, it won't touch me because it's like, do you know what? This is my story. This is my journey. And I'm laser sharp focused on me because you have to be, you know, uh-huh. they're just trying to bring you down to, to mess with your head. <laughs> and sometimes they succeed and it's like, no, I have done my visualization <laughs> and my mindset's right. I'm going in there and I'm going to nail it. Yeah. <laughs> I love okay. that. I love that attitude. Like just being like, yeah, I'm doing this for me. I know that I'm capable. You may be good, but I'm going to be better. Like, yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, it's terrible because it is competition. You can't say, oh, because there's no competition in there. It is. I want the bloody job. It is competition. <laughs> Outright. Let's call a spade a spade. But it's, and may the best person win. Is it always the best person? Not necessarily. I know that I was once passed over because the leading man that they had cast was shorter than me. And therefore they didn't think that the height difference was believable. So they cast you according to what they have available to them at the time. They were like, potentially I could have been the better voice suited for the role, but not for the cast because they couldn't get everyone else in the group to match that you know they need to have that dynamic so it's not always about you and your ability sometimes you just don't look right or they can't work with that in that time but nothing's ever lost because once you've auditioned for them once they hear that what you're capable of they just go 
not in this production, but now that we know that you're available for that kind of stuff, we'll think of you for next time. Well, that's what one hopes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can't take, I mean, this is so easy for me to say. I mean, I, I like, I need to learn this for myself, but I feel like you have to try not to take rejection personally. Like, you have to try and act on it. Like if someone does reject you, don't think, oh, they don't like me or they don't, you know, um, want me. Um, because if it's something I did, like you, you have to think, oh no, I am capable. They just don't think I'm suitable. Like they think, that I can do something else and that you have to get constructive criticism yeah absolutely right absolutely right it might have absolutely nothing to do with your talent and just be something completely different but on the flip side of that we're not robots we are human beings you know allow yourself it's disappointing if you really want something you don't get it it's I'm not saying don't go home and don't cry on your pillow for half an hour <laughs> you feel free <laughs> you, know, you process that and you bloody wallow in it because you worked hard and you really wanted it and you know our heart is allowed to feel a little bit hurt and rejected yeah. but it's like you just got to then not stay down for too long yeah. you need to get back up and get back out you know it's like riding a bike that old sort of metaphor do you think anyone can learn to sing or do you have to have like a baseline talent everyone can learn to sing oh good um if you can if you can speak you can sing because speaking is already you've got intonation you've got pitch i mean if you're actually physically born a mute then no but uh the one thing i do say with people i've had to people who are self-proclaimed tone deaf um and they just have never been taught how to access pitching so i've had people with who are partial of hearing as well so they have to i'd use humming and vibrations so they can feel where the pitches are in their bodies so that they can actually hit those notes. Oh my gosh. So there, everyone can actually learn how to sing. You just have to learn how to access that. And everyone learns differently. Everyone has different abilities. So some people are naturally musical and gifted. They'll hear a note and can replicate it. Other people find, I can't, <laughs> how do I find that note? Where is it? You know? And that's that's the magic of teaching is sort of being able to access everyone's different abilities and things like that. And then also managing, again, the reality. I was like, what is your goal of singing? Some people have come to me and said, look, I just want to be able to sing happy birthday to my work colleagues and not be the one that goes crying afterwards. Or I can do karaoke with my mates or I can go to a Christmas service and sing a Christmas carol. You know, that's that's their ambition. That's all they want you know, sort of like it's managing their expectations and just saying, look, you, everyone can sing. Can everyone become a major opera singer on a major platform? Probably not. That's mental stamina. That's ambition. That's years. That's my, it's not your, where you want to be. You know, I said, so you've got to manage your expectations of what you want when you say, can anyone sing? Yes, you can. Anyone can sing happy birthday. Anyone can sing a carol, you know, it's like saying, could, can anyone become a, a top athlete? Probably if you've got the time, will, ambition, and that's what you want to do with your life. Not as a, you know, that's one serious hobby. If you're going, you know, some people do marathons, but they invest time into doing that. Is there like a particular way or is it just a lot of breath work or um, is there anything that you could do daily to improve your voice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, your speaking voice and as well as your singing voice. There's just so many different levels of it because there's the color of the voice, there's projection. I've done communication and presentation coaching and 
mainly women come to me in that respect and say, do you know what? I'm not being heard in the boardroom mm. or I don't feel that I can, I'm not loud enough. I get spoken over because I've got quite a soft voice or, and I said, well, that's more to do with your delivery of how you are using your voice as an instrument. If you want to have a more resonant voice, that will carry more, you know, sort of, and the resonance is what the projection is. If you think of your mouth like a loudspeaker, the more you close your mouth up, the more mumbly you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done voice coaching with a gentleman in Ireland who's a professional motivational speaker, and the Irish have a tendency to mumble, you know, so <laughs> everything was very closed up. And and so the, the sound didn't travel. So it was just getting him to open up. And he thought he had to change his accent because he was like, oh, can you teach me how to speak English, English? And, you know, Shakespearean English, <laughs> the Queen's English. And I was like, no, keep your accent. It's who you are. And that's your unique selling point. You don't need to change your accent. You need to learn how to use your voice to your advantage. I said, so there's just different again it's a whole different sort of cycle of things so as a jazz singer a pop singer a musical theater singer an opera singer speakers actors voiceovers you can do everything to to help the voice on a daily basis but that's a whole another whole interview (laughs) (laughs) um so what is the most popular style with like like singing style for men, like that question comes from Cosmin. Oh my gosh, I, I don't think there is. I think that's just personal taste. Um, I've got students who do folk music, male singers. Others absolutely love the rock pop stuff. <laughs> Others are very musical theatre based. Others are very opera and classical based. So it really depends, really depends. Yeah, depends what their interests are. Yeah, is that one like breathing technique that you could quickly teach me now or just well we've got three minutes left or teach the listener like talk us through it or would that would it take like hours to do I don't know yeah it's it's hard to do in just a few minutes (laughs) (laughs) for for breathing techniques but a really good one is to learn breath control is if you're breathing in through the nose but then breathing out as if you're through your mouth through pursed lips as if you're breathing out for through a straw and that controlled breath to see how long you can sustain it for so it's like breathing in through the nose and then a really sustained out breath through the mouth as if you're blowing through a straw that can really help with breath control and it just lengthens your lung capacity and then you put that to notes and and pitches and different sounds to keep that going but that's probably a starting point yeah. <laughs> how long should you be able to like what would be a healthy way and um, time to sustain it for oh my gosh well that's again how long's a piece of string okay. um it wouldn't be something that i would put a definitive time on because everyone's lung capacity is different so you will train it up in different ways if you're doing breath work for example which is just literally just different breathing techniques then some people can only breathe out for five seconds. Other people have built it up for 20, 30 seconds. So it sort of really depends on your own abilities because some people have asthma, some people have lung conditions. So it's sort of like, it. again, not a definitive, here's what you should be aiming for because everyone has their own limits. So working with that to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to, I mean, as, as you said earlier, like it's good to be ambitious, but it's also good to be realistic, like recognize 
that you will you might not always be able to achieve everything and that's okay like that doesn't mean anything about your character like it's okay like you're trying um but you don't want to hurt yourself yeah we all start somewhere you know we all learn to crawl before we learn to walk before we learn to run before we learn to ride a bike before we learn to swim you know (laughs) everything takes time you don't wake up one day and just have it all figured out (laughs) i think people do think that you can just instantly achieve something i definitely think like oh i'll play piano for half an hour and then i'll be able to play like mozart and everything and no <laughs> that'd be nice right definitely <laughs> and that's think, why we quit i think people quit too early because we just think oh i can't do it first off yeah i think you have been so motivational and so lovely i feel like this is going to cut out any second yeah, right? so i'm very sorry if it does but yeah thank you so much for joining me you've been amazing oh thanks so much it's been lovely thanks charlotte oh, no problem like oh honestly i have to have you on again it's been wonderful yeah, there's just always more to talk about. Let's face yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're free anytime soon, I'd uh, love to do this again. <laughs> Perfect. We'll set it up. Hopefully. Awesome. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank Have a lovely Friday. Take care. Bye. Bye. Enjoy weekend. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's very special episode. I hope you enjoyed. Please head to my blog to read all about Marika and all my other fantastic musicians that I've interviewed. Enjoy the rest of your week.